0: Hey church family, so good to be with you again today and hope that you're staying safe and healthy and hope that you're doing well. And so glad that you've uh, chosen to wake up today and and join us together as we worship together. If you were with us last week, you know that we started a series called Going Viral in which we're walking through the book of Acts and and looking at what it looks like when believers are empowered to go viral with the message of Jesus Christ in the world around them. Speaking of going viral, I don't know how many of you have heard of the name Emily Zamorka. Uh, Emily Zamorka was actually an immigrant from the country of Moldova in Eastern Europe. She moved over here to the United States. Unfortunately, she fell on some hard times and, and was homeless for a couple of years. But last September, her name and really her voice went viral when an LAPD and a Los Angeles police uh, officer saw her in the subway. Actually, he heard her in the subway and he recorded a video of her singing in the subway and he posted it to the LAPD's Twitter account. That video of her singing has since gotten over 1 million views on that Twitter account alone and countless other millions of views on YouTube and other platforms It provided her with opportunities. She actually got to sing at a couple of events and um, actually got offered a recording contract. And so it's been a really neat experience for for everyone involved. But I I love the the heading that the police department put on the the video when they posted it. They said, four million people call LA home. Four million stories, four million voices. Sometimes you just have to stop and listen to one to hear something beautiful. I tell you that story to say that you never know the impact that one little action can have. You never know the impact. You never know how something can go viral just by one person reaching out to touch someone else's life. And so as we continue in our series, today we come to Acts chapter 2. And Last week, we considered Jesus' words in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where he says to his followers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The very last words that Jesus spoke before he left this earth and he ascended into heaven were to his followers that they would be his witnesses. And my question to us is, are his last words our first concern? Are his last words our first concern? Because those are the last words that Jesus spoke while he was on this earth. And he left us with a charge, with a, a challenge, with a command even, to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth, to share the testimony of who he is, and what he's done with the people around us and on to the ends of the earth and as we talked about last week that's a testimony that involves both show and tell. It involves the way we live our lives as well as the words that we speak. But in order for something to go viral, it needs to have energy. It's got to have energy if we're talking about something spreading biologically, it's got to have something uh, it got to have energy if we're talking about something spreading even through cyberspace and and through social media. And here's the good news. What Jesus calls you to do, he also empowers you to do. Which brings us to our passage today in Acts chapter 2 as we look at the story of when the energy is poured out and believers are empowered to go viral with the message of Jesus Christ. So Acts chapter 2, and you can turn there with me in your Bibles or you can follow along on the screen. Acts chapter 2, and we'll start in verse 1. Luke writes, When the day of Pentecost came, and when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilder- bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, "On all these th- that are speaking, Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews." And converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. There's a lot, a lot going on in here in this passage. But for starters, verse 1 gives us a context of of when all this is happening. Verse 1 says that all this is happening on the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost literally means 50th day. Now, 50th day of what, you might ask? Well, literally it's 50th day from something. It's the 50th day from Passover. Now, question, what had just happened at Passover that year? Well, if you remember, Jesus was crucified on Passover. And so not only is it 50 days from Passover, but it's also 50 days after Jesus is is crucified. So let's talk about Passover for just a moment. Passover celebrates the exodus of the Israelites from Egyptian bondage all the way back in Exodus some 1,500 years earlier. And here's what's interesting. About two months after the Israelites leave Egypt, they leave Egyptian bondage, they come to a place called Mount Sinai. And it was there at Mount Sinai that the Israelites encountered the presence of God in a powerful way and actually when you look at the account of that uh, encounter with with god in in exodus chapter 19 at mount sinai very similar to what we find in acts chapter 2 so just a couple of examples in exodus chapter 19 there's fire on top of the mountain there's wind blowing everywhere there's the sound of thunder and a large loud trumpet in the air And it's so overwhelming, the the sight of fire on the mountain, the sound of the wind and the thunder and the trumpets blowing, that the people trembled, literally, that they are so overwhelmed that they have no idea what to do. And so it's Moses himself who goes up onto the mountain and he encounters God in a powerful way. And from there, he comes back down the mountain with what we know today to be the Ten Commandments. And so you jump forward 1,500 years to Acts chapter 2. 50 days after Passover, about two months, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole place where they were. Not only was there the sound of the violent wind, but there's also the sight of God's manifest presence. They, They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that was separated and came on top of what? Each of them. And so at Mount Sinai, 1,500 years earlier, you've, you've got fire on a mountain. You've got wind blowing everywhere. And then here in Acts chapter 2, on this day of Pentecost, you've got the sound of God's presence like the wind. And not only that, but there's fire present only on top of each one of the believers. There, there is so much going on in this passage. But, but I want you to know this is a big shift in terms of, 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 of humanity and how God is going to relate To his people, because so often the presence of God in the Old Testament rested on a mountain, or it rested in 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 a building like a tabernacle or a temple. But now, it's resting on God's people. Fire is on top of people instead of on top of a mountain. Wind is blowing all around people instead of around a mountain. But not only did Pentecost mark a monumental shift in how God was relating to his people, but it also marked a shift in how God was relating to the world. Because Pentecost, while it's, just, it's about what God is doing in his people, it's also about what God is doing to the world around them. He's no longer just going to relate to people and to the world around him through a mountain or through a temple, but through his people. And this is a huge deal because now his presence is, is not going to be mediated through those things and through a physical temple or through a mountain, but, but through people, through individuals, through lives. It's going to be mediated not through temples of wood and stone, but God is come to live and be mediated and, and share his presence through temples of flesh and bone. And so the Spirit of God fills the place where they are, but God's not satisfied with just filling a place. He wants to fill them. And so God fills the place and then he fills them. And the very first thing that happens after his Spirit fills them is that they begin to speak in other tongues and languages. Now a lot, a lot is made of this passage. But here's what's going on in this passage. They're, they're not speaking in a prayer language here. They're not speaking in ecstatic utterances here. You have to go to another passage's passage to, to deal with that issue and, and we're not going to do that today. But what happens here is that they're speaking. God enables them to speak in intelligible languages of other people groups. Well You might ask, why? Well, because Jews from all over, from all over the the Roman world, all kinds of different nations, speaking all kinds of different languages, had gathered together in Jerusalem for Pentecost. Now, we'll come back to that in just a moment, so hang on to that. But first, let me ask you, what is it that they're saying? What is it that these believers are saying? They're speaking in all these different languages, but what is it that they're actually saying? Well, verse 11 tells us, it says that they are declaring the wonders of God in all these different languages and so last week I showed you a verse from Luke chapter 6 verse 45 where Jesus says that out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks the reason they're declaring the wonders of God is because their hearts are filled with the wonders of God. That tells you something right there, that one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to fill you and to fill me with wonder over the works of God. You say, well, why is that important? Because you spill out what you're filled with. You and I spill out what we are filled with, for better or for worse. It just comes spilling out, it's natural. And so the work of the Spirit here it fills the believers with wonder in regard to God. And this wonder begins to leak out of them. It's spilling out of their mouth. And the spirit of God enables these lowly Galileans to declare the wonders of God in multiple languages. And Luke writes that this crowd that's gathered and and listening and watching all of this is utterly amazed. And they say, are not all these people speaking Galileans? Now, when they said this, that was not a compliment. Galileans were looked at as uneducated and uncivilized. They were, they were really the least, the least people you'd expect to see and hear speaking in, in all these multiple different languages fluently. That's why it's so significant that all these different nationalities are hearing the wonders of God being proclaimed and declared in their own native language such a powerful testimony to the power of the Spirit of God, enabling the least expected people of all to do something extraordinary. And so a crowd gathers and some are marveling at what's going on. Others are perplexed about what's going on. Some even believe that these these guys are drunk. Now, I don't know about you, but if I heard someone speaking fluently in a different language, a language other than their own, I wouldn't think they were drunk. I'd think that they were educated. And I don't know all that's going on here. Certainly their their view of these believers as lowly Galileans certainly had something to do with their lack of understanding of what they were seeing and what they were hearing. But it would seem that there's something different about these believers. Some some visible, some kind of visible countenance that's different about them. And make no mistake, they, they are under the influence of something, but it's not wine. They're under the influence of the Holy Spirit and they're filled with the wonders of God and it, it almost is like they're, you can see it. They are filled so much with the wonders of God and who he is and what he's done that you can literally see it on their face. At any rate, it's from there that, Peter stands up and he begins to address the questions of the crowd and he builds a bridge from their questions to Jesus. And we'll talk more about that next week. But as for this week, what does this passage have to teach us about how going viral works in our lives? Well, let me just give you three observations from this passage. And the first is this, going viral involves God's timing. Going viral involves God's timing. You've probably heard the phrase timing is everything, right? Well, let's back up the story for just a second and and think about the timeline of these events. Remember, Pentecost is the 50th day after Passover. So the 50th day, Jesus is crucified on Passover. It's the 50th day after Passover, 50th day after Jesus is crucified. So Jesus is crucified on Passover on a Friday, and then he's put in the tomb and he's buried, and he's resurrected on the third day, that's Sunday. And so you've got three days right there, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that's three days right there. Uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 3 tells us that Jesus appeared to his disciple, disciples over a period of 40 days declaring to them the kingdom of God. And so you've got 3 plus 40 equals 43. I know you didn't think you were getting a math lesson today, but you're, you're welcome. So 43 right there. Then Jesus tells them, I want you to stay in Jerusalem. And I want you to wait for the gift that my father has promised. And when you receive this gift, you will, you will be empowered and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and in all in Samaria and, and to the ends of the earth. He tells them that and then he ascends up to heaven. They go back to Jerusalem. And then Acts chapter 1 verse 14 tells us that, tells us that they're all joined together constantly in prayer. And I want to stop there for just a second because that's a, that's a lesson in and of itself. That, that when you, you are waiting and you don't know what else to do, prayer is a pretty good option. Prayer is always a good option. And so they're, they're gathering together. They, they don't really know exactly what to do, to do. They're gathered together. They're praying together. But how long do they wait and pray? Well, you've already got three days from Jesus's death to his resurrection, then you've got 40 days that he appeared to them. That's 43, 50 days to Pentecost. So 50 minus 43, again, you're getting your math lessons here uh, for all you, you kiddos who are out of school. So 50 minus 43 leaves us seven days in between the time that Jesus told them that they're that they gonna receive power, that he, they're gonna be his witnesses. He leaves heaven or leaves earth. He goes back up to heaven. And then the time that the spirit is poured out on them here at Pentecost. So the question becomes, well, why did God wait seven days? I mean, God could have done it right away. Why, why did he wait seven days? Well, I, I don't know all the reasons. I'm not God, and so I don't know all the reasons, but let me just give you a couple of things. First of all, seven is a pretty big number in the Bible. Seven is often the number that represents completion or, or, or divine working, di- divine action that's going on, a, a fulfillment that is being divinely completed. But also, and that's cool to think about in and of itself, but also think about this, the celebration of Passover, or excuse me, of of Pentecost was one of the busiest days on the Jewish calendar. It was one of the busiest days in Jerusalem. Devout Jews from all over, all over the civilized world, would gather together in Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. And again, they're speaking all these different kinds of of languages, And, and scholars would say that Jerusalem would swell to as much as Four times its normal size. So it is literally crowded. It is busting at the seams at this point. And so this all happens on Pentecost. (coughs) Perhaps the busiest day of the year in Jerusalem. Now check this out. Jesus tells them in Acts chapter one: listen, you you will you will receive power. Wait, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in Acts chapter 2, in many ways, God brings the ends of the earth to them right there in Jerusalem. Now, don't get me wrong. God has far greater plans when it comes to taking his message viral to the ends of the earth. But I just think it's so cool to think about what God does to kickstart things right there in Jerusalem to take the message viral. Timing is everything. And you think about it, for seven days, they're waiting and they're praying and they don't know what else to do. They're just, they're just waiting. They're in a holding period. And yet all the while, God is bringing Jews from all over right there to them in Jerusalem. And then God pours out his spirit on them. They begin declaring the wonders of God right there in the middle of the city when its population is at its greatest at this time of the year. Phenomenal timing. I mean, how cool is our God? It's almost like he knows what he's doing, right? And I tell you that to encourage you and to tell you that God is at work in ways that you and I can't even imagine. And listen, I, I, I even think about the times that we're going through right now. And and, and certainly, I, I don't, I'm not saying that God causes everything. And I, I don't know the, 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 the balance between what God causes and, and what God allows. I'm not smart enough. That's above my pay grade. But I do know that he can and he will and he is using it and working through it. And if we allow him, he can and he will and he will, is working through you and me and using you and me to take the message of Jesus Christ viral, even in the times, and maybe even especially in the times that we're living in right now. And so this is about, it's about his timing. He's at work in ways that that you and I can't always see, and, and frankly, in ways that we're not responsible for. You know, so often we, we get preoccupied with, well, is it is it God's timing that, that I should say something, or that I should reach out, or that I should do this, or, or that I should do that? And that's his business. Your business is to be faithful, to live it, and to share it. Let God worry about the other, other stuff. Let God worry about the timing of it. You be faithful to the Spirit's prompting. You sow the seed and let God take it viral. And secondly, not only does going viral involve God's timing, but it also involves our, our presence. It's worth noting that when God pours out his Spirit on the people here, his followers are no longer in the room where they were waiting and praying together and meeting together. Now they're out in a public place, perhaps even in the, somewhere in the temple precincts. And so when God pours out his spirit here, he pours it out on them right in the middle of the hustle and bustle of a city. Because he longs for his message not just to be for a small group of followers, but for his message to go viral. And the fact that God does this right in the middle of the hustle and bustle of a city reminds me that God filling you isn't just for you. God filling you is for the people in the world around you. But that requires for you to be around people, right? It requires your presence. Now, I know that looks a little bit different right now, right? Right? I know things are a little bit different. And so you know, how we think about this maybe is a little bit different, but just think about for a second, who, who are the people in your normal week right now or even moving forward, who are the people that you are, are around a lot during the week? And again, I know it's a little bit different, but even, even though we're physically separated from people a little bit, there's still people that you're around or, or even if it's not physically, but that you are talking to, that you're connected with, but whatever that space looks like for you, whether it's you know, right now or, or, or moving forward, whether it's in, in, in a physical space or, or a, a cyberspace or even talking on the phone or, or whatever interactions you have with people, what if in those spaces, what, what if we just invited the Spirit of God to fill us in a way that filled us with the wonders of God or the wonders of Jesus to share those with the people that we are in the midst of right now, whether that be in a physical space, cyberspace, wherever it may be. And let me tell you what, God desires to help you be fluent with the people around you. Did you notice that the disciples are, they're not all speaking the same language? You know, one of the descriptions or one of the ways that the church is described in the New Testament is as a body, that we are a body, we're the body of Christ. And one of the things that makes us a body is is our diversity. That's part of it. And what's so cool here is that these, these believers, this church, isn't just speaking one language. There are multiple languages being spoken. And I'm not just speaking strictly here about us literally speaking other languages, because the reality is that some of us are fluent with some people and some of us are fluent with other types of people. You know, some of us are fluent with teens or with children. Some of us are fluent with older folks. Some of us are fluent with, with those who've gone through the struggle of addiction. Some of us are fluent with those who have had marital problems. Some of us are fluent in the political world and, and with people there. Some of us are fluent in, in, in the business world and, and, and with people there. But the bottom line is that God has placed you and me right where we are. And he wants to help us be fluent with at least some of the people right where we are and right in the middle of where you and I live and work and operate. And one of the amazing parts, maybe perhaps the most amazing parts about this, is that God meets these people right where they are. I mean, God, the creator of the universe, meets these people right where they are. He doesn't just speak to them in the Hebrew of the Old Testament. He didn't just speak to them in English, right, because God's not American. (laughs) But he speaks to them in each of their native languages. That's the humility and the compassion of the God that we serve. And it calls us as the church to go the way of humility and compassion as well and to meet people where they are so that you and I can be empowered to be the vehicles that God desires to use to go viral right in the middle of the people that we're around. And then the third takeaway, not only does going viral involve God's timing and our presence, but it also involves spirit's power what got the attention of the crowds is that these are lowly uneducated galileans who are speaking in all these different languages hear me in this god has given each and every one of us specific talents and gifts that he desires to use for his purposes and god can use those talents and those gifts and he can use you in powerful ways Through those talents and gifts and that's good news, but let me give you better news Because not only can god use your talents and your gifts and your strengths But god can also use your limitations as well for his purposes And that may be the best news of all Because god can actually use your limitations And create a hearing for the gospel that maybe he couldn't use through your strengths Because when people see my limitations and then they see the Spirit's power working through my limitations and in in spite of my limitations, so often they're in a better position to see God as the only explanation for what's happening in my life. And so going viral is a matter of, of God and His Spirit working in our lives, limitations and all, and it's not just his spirit moving in the midst of our limitations, but it's also the visible difference that his spirit makes in our lives. There's something different about these people, enough so that people are asking questions: What's going on? You know, why are they why are they responding in these ways? Why are they acting in these ways? Now, some people are bewildered, and some people are perplexed. Others think that they're drunk. Others just have no clue what's going on and and there certainly are varied opinions about what's going on but make no mistake what you have here the first picture you have here of the church in Acts chapter 2 is that this is a church of consequence again there may be varied opinions about what's going on and not understanding but make no mistake they are not being overlooked and they are not being ignored there's something happening here and the pouring out of the Spirit made a tangible difference in their lives. Here's the deal. My role and your role is to walk with God daily and to be filled with His Spirit so much so that it brings about a difference that provokes the conversation, that provokes the question. Because people are in a much better position to listen to you and me when they're asking questions and yet unfortunately so often the church hasn't had enough of a witness to provoke the kind of questions that helps people be in a better position to listen Danish philosopher and theologian Soren Kierkegaard tells a story about a town where all the residents are ducks And so every Sunday, the ducks would waddle out of their houses, and they'd waddle down Main Street into the church, and they'd waddle into the church, and they'd sit in their duck pews, and the duck choir would come out and sing, and then the duck preacher would come up, and he'd read from the duck Bible. This was long before Duck Dynasty, and and he would encourage them, Ducks, God has given you wings. And with these wings, you can fly. With these wings, you can rise up and soar like eagles. No walls can confine you. No fences can hold you. You have wings and you can fly like birds. And all the ducks would shout, amen. And then all the ducks would waddle home. And it was Kierkegaard's way of lamenting the fact that for so many people, a relationship with God is nothing more than an intellectual exercise. But the relationship that God desires with us is for it to make its way 18 inches from our head and down into our hearts and it come spilling out of our lives. For the gap to be narrowed between what we read in scripture and what we truly believe and what comes spilling out and we experience in our lives. And it's the power of the Spirit that helps narrow that gap because the last thing the world needs is for you and I to stay the same old ducks. And so it's through this demonstration of the Spirit's work in their lives that a conversation about Jesus gets started. And again, we'll talk about that next week. But here's the deal. I think there is something so powerful going on here that we, that, we, that we see that's revealed to us in Acts chapter 2. I think Acts chapter 2 reveals one of the primary ways that God reaches the lost. Because Acts chapter 2 starts with 120 people being empowered. And it ends with 3,000 people being saved. Because one of the primary ways that God reaches the lost is through empowering and filling his people, the saved, through his spirit. Because with God, all it takes is a few to reach the many and for us to take this thing viral. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the gift of your son, We thank you for the salvation that we find in him. We thank you for the hope, the peace, the grace, the mercy, the love. We thank you for the joy that we find in in salvation, for the joy that we find in a relationship with you. But Father, we thank you for your spirit. Sometimes we, we kind of forget about that. And Father, I just pray that you would fill us with your spirit, empower us by your spirit, to be the kind of people that you've called us to be. Empower us by your spirit, Father, to live the kind of life that provokes questions from the world around us, Father, and empower us by your spirit to be the kind of people that speaks truth into those questions, that speaks grace into those questions, that speaks hope into those questions, that speaks the salvation that we find in your son. Jesus Christ. Father, help us to be that kind of people. Thank you for the gift of your spirit. Thank you for the grace that you've poured into us through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the hope that we have through him. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.